Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, I actually have another story for you guys that I want to share uh, that actually happened over the holidays. So I was fortunate enough to get some quality time with my 18-year-old brother, Nick, over Christmas, and we had actually been wanting to create some custom hoodies for a side hustle that the two of us are working on together. And so we sat down on the couch uh, with our masks on, of course, and I watched as Nick actually led the Google search. As he combed through the initial search results for design custom hoodies, I watched as he'd actually go ahead and hit the back button before a couple of the sites even finished loading. What are you doing? I exclaimed after the third time of him doing this. And he said, dude, you know, our internet is great. If the site doesn't load quickly, they're clearly not a reputable e-commerce brand. And, you know, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right of the homepage and look for a search bar. If he couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd hop back to the search engine result pages. So, you know, Nick was like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior. And so he said, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to go somewhere else to find it. So, you know, he says no one's got time to make sense of a website's poor navigation. And I was just like, I was like bewildered being like, who are you uh, sitting, sitting next to Nick's? Uh, but, uh, you know, at the time, I didn't think much of this interaction but you know, then I stumbled upon a company that is dedicated to tackling the very challenges that Nick encountered on his journey to find the best brand to order a custom hoodie from. And that company happens to be the sponsor of this week's podcast episode. Meet Squiz, a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. So Squiz has many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I have been most impressed by is their custom site search product. Now for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right corner of the homepage and look for a search bar. And if you couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd go ahead and hop back to the search engine result pages. So Nick, like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior said, dude, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to find someone else who does. No one's got time to make sense of poor website navigation. For Nick's generation, which is really the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom, smart site search so that your nursing program page actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. You guys know which one I'm talking about. And their DXP, so it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. Now, a website CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management, right? Content management system is what website CMS stands for, by the way. Um, and it's an important part of your MarTech stack and an important part of the student lifecycle. But that's just it. It's an important part a DXP, which is a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your MarTech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with just a CMS, or at least impossible without a giant IT web team to support all of the APIs and constant upkeep, yada, yada, yada. So 
Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that, by the way, totally hurts your SEO, and get ready to meet the fastest, the most powerful, and the most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducer that schools across the globe are using to not just attract students like my brother Nick, but actually to nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, not counter to, how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. To learn more about Squiz's secret sauce, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash squiz. And be sure to start your research with their search bar. All right, guys, take care and enjoy this week's episode. Hey everybody, Zach here, and once again, it is only Zach here. Um, first, I should probably stop referring to myself in the third person, um, but actually, yeah, so you, several of you reached out after the last time we did a solo pod. I don't even know if solo podding is a thing, but we're going to roll with it. And uh, just shared really positive feedback and said that you enjoyed the change of pace, you enjoyed the uh, different segment, um, and that you encouraged me to to keep up with this sort of segment on some sort of regular cadence. So um, we're not doing this week's episode solo style because of a last minute guest cancellation or because the podcast that we recorded for you was just too awful that we couldn't share, but rather just to to test out whether or not this format is um, is of interest to to more of you moving forward. So again, please always give me feedback. Reach me on Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, shoot me an email. I love hearing from you all. And um, yeah, your feedback directly impacts sort of our content strategy and our editorial game plan. So um, keep it up. Anyways, this morning I was, I picked up my phone and I was scrolling on LinkedIn. I typically start my social networking uh, each day on LinkedIn. I'm trying to like up my Twitter game, but it's definitely hard and I feel like way more comfortable uh, on LinkedIn. And perhaps that's because I'm a wordy person um, and LinkedIn just gives me more real estate to explain myself that's probably what it is it's also a little bit easier i feel like to have conversations it's less you know instant than twitter but anyhow i digress um i woke up i was on linkedin and this article caught my eye and the headline was great and it was actually an an article that linkedin editors were sort of discussing um for those of you who are active linkedin uh users you know that you know linkedin will have its team of like business ed- editors or, um, you know, subject matter experts sort of curate a specific conversation based off of and sort of like aggregate like top articles, top posts around a trending topic. So this morning, that topic was an article that the Chronicle published um, called How Much Has COVID Cost Colleges? Uh, $183 billion. And I, this article actually came out several days ago, but I think it's you know, just trending now, at least just trending um, in the, le- the LinkedIn ecosystem. 
And so, of course, you know, trendy headline catches my eye, click on it. Um, And uh, fun fact, actually, somewhat of a tangent, but I'm such a millennial that I I never, I don't like paywalls. um, And I don't like being forced to like subscribe uh, or like log in to like view content. um, That's just like an article. Like if it's something more valuable than that, 100%. Like, uh, you know, access to a community or access to like an exclusive podcast or something like that of a brand I've, you know, already have great affinity for. But if it's just like a, a random article, it's very, you know, 99% of the time I just hop back onto Google search and, you know, try to find a summary or an analysis of that piece that's not gated. Um, but I figured, you know what, Zach, you're in this space, you need to up your, your, your game here. Um, and be a big boy and start reading like the Chronicle regularly. So, uh, I, I created an account, a free account. Uh, we'll see if, if, and when I uh, pay for something, but for now we're in, we're in freeland and, um, logged in and started reading this article. And, you know, this, this topic, right. Isn't particularly new. Folks have been talking about sort of the, the financial crisis that's hit colleges and universities for a while now, really since sort of since like the the advent of of covid but um this article sort of like does a a really uh it really presents a sobering sort of story around just how dire um 183 billion dollars is is a big number right and they go on to say that you know on average uh, there's been a 14 percent annual revenue decline by institution um across the country and that that even that percentage of revenue uh, decline is is somewhat conservative, um, and for many schools is is significant. And what they did is they surveyed um, four hundred different universities um, from across the spectrum, right? So like small liberal arts, large public institutions. If you're not familiar with the article, just Google um, Google it. You might have to create a Chronicle account if you don't have one. Um, and 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 you can access sort of like the meat of of the data um but yeah they they surveyed 400 different universities um to sort of uh aggregate this information and uh, a couple of like the more just sobering um realities from my perspective at least was that you know 85 billion dollars were just lost uh in revenue overall 24 billion dollars uh for for covid related expenses and 74 billion dollars uh in anticipated future decreases in in state funding um which is insane right so like it's not just about like what has happened already but what is coming down the pipeline right now and and you know that adds up to a a a whopping 183 billion dollars um of 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 cash that colleges and universities have lost thanks to the this global pandemic um and so there's a lot here right and the the article ends on sort of like this very like positive note of saying look there's still time to adapt and you know most the majority of institutions have decided to you know freeze tuition so helpful for you know prospective students um at least in theory hopefully that gets offset by by the state or at the federal level right um and, but it ends with sort of like this whole, like, this is a, a moment for higher ed, right? This is sort of like the catalyst of like what's been building for a while with respect to rethinking education and how we do um, higher ed. And, you know, there's still hope, basically, right? And, um, like, totally agree. 
excited, you know, hopeful, blah, blah, blah. But in, in my opinion, sort of like hope is, hope is not, I, I did not say this. Who said this? Somebody, somebody remind me who said this. Um, but, uh, hope is not a strategy, right? Like I, I I'll Google that and figure out who said that and, and get back to you guys, um, momentarily. But, um, the, the point here is that, um, oh, Rick Page, Rick Page said that. Um, and anyways, uh, sorry, <laughs> got distracted there. So, uh, hope is not a strategy. And what I mean by that specifically is like these numbers, right, are incredibly sobering, right? And it, it's hard to even make sense of like what this actually means, right? But like this is this has a direct uh, relationship, a direct bearing on sort of like faculty, on staff, on the access to financial aid that students get, right? This is a direct bearing on sort of the programming that higher education can put out um, to attract next generations of students. And so what I think about when I think about sort of like just the state of where we're at and really the, the opportunity that um, exists in spite of this very, very challenging, hard moment is that, you know, the, the playing field has been leveled in many ways, right? Like even the greats are are hurting. Yeah, maybe not as much as some of the, the lesser known, you know, smaller schools, right, who don't have huge endowments, but everyone in their own way is is struggling and is hurting. Um, and I think that this is an amazing opportunity for uh, certain colleges and universities to come to the forefront. And I really think what's at play here, the way to do that is through brand um, and actually through thinking very differently about how you message, uh, how you communicate your unique value proposition. This is sort of like it is time to go to be to be radical, quite frankly, and it, it is time to put everything on the table and rethink why do we call these things this particular way? Who owns the website? No, 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 no. Not I know in theory enrollment management marketing does, but no, no, no. Who really owns the website? Right? Is our faculty members still playing a huge role in dictating sort of where content goes on the site? Right? Are you know VPs that? quite honestly, don't understand sort of how prospective students search and how prospective students think about engaging with a college and university website, are they still influencing like things like navigation and things like header tags, right? Are they still influencing the kind of messaging that you get to go out with on social media, right? Um, and if so, now is the time to politely, right, like remove them from the driver's seat because what's happening right now friends, is that the schools like that are the educational institutions that are going to win, right, that are going to come out of this way stronger um, than they went in, are the schools that are going to realize that, oh my gosh, our job at the end of the day, right, as is to enroll, is to, is to find, attract, recruit, enroll, and retain new students. And the minute, the minute Pro, like prospective students become disenfranchised with our offerings. That is a huge, huge problem. That's not a, that's not a target market problem. Okay. Sometimes maybe it can be, but it's not a target market problem. It's a, it's a branding problem. It's a unique value proposition. The amount of time problem, the, the amount of times that we'll work with the school, right. And they're essentially we're at they're, they're they might tear up our content or tear up sort of like some initial brand messaging that that we developed for them, 
Um, and essentially what we, we come to find out throughout lots of conversation is that they have no idea who they are. They have no idea what the unique value proposition of the program actually is, right? You've got a faculty member who's driving this, this program, and yet that faculty member is not a marketer, right? So they have no idea how to communicate to a 17-year-old, right, what the unique value proposition of their accounting program actually is, right? Or, or you know, of their, of their uh, 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 financing program. Like, guys, the website is 100% for prospective students and parents, 100%. It's bonus points for your internal folks. Like it is, it is not for current students, right? That's what your intro web is for, right? If you, your website needs to be a lead generation, generating, excuse me, machine. And if it's not, that's where you start. Okay, so let's get a little bit more specific and tactical here. What do I mean? Well, fun fact, right? These these surveys, there have been more and more of them done recently. Um, where they ask high school students, they ask, uh, you know, eighth grade students, sort of like, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And uh, about 10, 15 years ago, right, people would say lawyers, doctors, like just about, you know, 10 years ago, you know, first start, first grouping of students started to say things like, oh, I want to be like in tech or, right, I want to be like the founder of a company. Now, 50 to 75% of these of these students depending on which survey and there are several that you that you look at just google this stuff right you can find a plethora of surveys um, and analysis that has been done here but 50 to 75% of students uh, say they want to be creators right they say they want to be youtube stars or instagram influencers right we, we we're leave, we're living through this like ridiculous revolution where for whatever reason right everyone feels like they have something unique to offer the digital space. Um, and maybe they do, right? But I don't know about you. I pour over college and university websites and branding materials and marketing messaging for a living. So I have seen my fair share of university websites and communication materials. Not once have I ever seen anything even remotely close to, hey, this is a program for creators, right? This is where folks who want to understand how to build a sustainable business as a solopreneur, um, this is where you go. This is where you thrive, right? Or, or hey, like, we're going to teach you what you need to know to create a side hustle, to run your side hustle while you're also getting your four-year degree so that eventually, once that side hustle grows, you understand how to effectively manage that business, how to effectively hire people for your business, right? And I know this is like one audience of people, guys, and like not everyone is trying to go to school for business, and that's 100% true, right? But my point is that this is representative of a growing shift in how students, right, perceive institutions. There's a, there's a disconnect, a dramatic disconnect between what the next generations of students are saying that they want to do and what colleges and universities are offering. Now, again, I believe very strongly, actually, that for many schools, this infrastructure does actually exist, right? Like there are 
that, I mean, they need to, many of them need to be like, you know, revamped and revisited. Like I think career centers at schools are, are, a, are a joke, um, and need to be completely reimagined and rethought about. Like they have like one, like, li- like measly page on the website and it's like very hard to find and sparse and you walk into, you know, a career center and it's, you know, um, unless you're one of the few people that like ex- know exactly what you want to do, it's, it's very sort of like, um, vanilla information that you get right it's very cookie cutter it's not it's just really not that helpful um so that that's uh, a, a topic for a different conversation but my point here right is that i think a lot of, of schools uh especially at uh the undergrad level also the grad level though like they have the frameworks and the infrastructure and the programming to be relevant like to actually like say yes actually we do know how to like set you up with the frameworks that you need to understand how you might run your own business, right? Or, hey, what it would look like for you to start hiring people for for your business, right? We're going to stick with the business example just because it's easy. But again, this could be applied um, across a number of fields. Um, But the problem is that it is like pulling teeth, right, To, to, to discern like where your dreams fit within the context of a school's major or minor, right? And I think that where that starts is, you have you ever been to like the curriculum page on your, your school's website? Like when's the last time you went to your majors or programs page and drilled down into like a uh, curriculum? Uh, if it's been a while, go do that. Maybe go do that right now if, if it's safe to do so and you're not driving or, or walking. But scroll down to your curriculum section on any any major and what you'll in all likelihood stumble upon is you'll stumble upon a code right like ACCT 201 right ACCT 201 is accounting 201 right um and then next to it it'll say like principles of accounting or you know fundamentals of accounting something like that right well what 17 year old has any idea what that actually means I I don't even know I I took three different accounting courses at college and like I barely remember like what the heck principles of accounting okay I know what the word principle means you know it's foundational it's fundamental blah blah blah. but like you know in all in all seriousness what what am I going to learn in that course right higher education talks about this all the time you go to these AMA conferences right you go to a number of events and everyone's talking about being outcomes focused like talk about sort of like job placement and career trajectory and, um, you know, all, all the things, right? That's none of that is new. Um, but if that's really what we believe, like why the heck aren't from a messaging standpoint, why aren't we reimagining our curriculum? Which by the way, like that page typically ranks really, really well for, um, uh, a number of organic keywords, keyword searches, right? So like typically your program pages, um, and your curriculum pages, which are often, you know, one and the same or, or closely related, um, are some of the highest ranking pages on your university's domain, right? And that's really important, again, from a from an organic search standpoint. So my question is, um, if these pages are ranking really well, like, and you're, in all likelihood, you're generating uh, new sort of organic traffic um, from prospective students to those pages pretty frequently. Um, so it, these pages really should be transformed and really thought about as lead generation pages. And so if that's true, then we need to do a way better job of spelling out what the heck principles of accounting, you know, really means. Like if we, if we believe in being outcomes driven, right, why not say like, you know, this is where you learn what the heck an asset really is, right? Um, and the difference between an asset and a liability, you know, words that you've heard your grandfather throw around but never really understood what they were, right? Just something quippy, something funny um, that really helps explain 
the why behind the course. Like, this is what you're going to learn in, in layman's terms. The college or university that figures out how to transform their website and write content in a way that a 17-year-old can resonate with, they're going to win, right? It's It really is that simple. We, like fight over these like words around like is this like a fair categorization of our program and like you know should we use this adjective or that adjective and I, I, and some of that some of that deliberation is good and is important is important and i'm not trying to like undermine like the the um the rigor really that goes that 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 goes into sort of like evaluating um what pr- new programs to launch and how to launch them and how to structure them right all of that is very very important but what i am saying right is that your digital space, the digital components of your brand are for prospective students. And if they're not, if it's not really easy, right, to understand what you do and why you do it and what I'm going to get from it, who I'm going to become through it, I'm going to go somewhere else. It, it really is that simple. And, you know, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. College and universities, right, traditional sort of like nonprofit schools, right, um, you're not really competing with the institution down the street, right? You're maybe kind of competing with them. You know who your like top three competitors are. Um, but you're competing really, if you want to know what you're competing with, you're competing with the Lambda schools, right? You're competing with the general assemblies, right? The Udemy's, the, 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 the people that are offering alternative pathways to getting, you as the prospect to where you want to be. And what's really interesting is that that those those particular schools, right? Um those particular programs incentive-wise, they're totally aligned with the 50 to 75% of middle school and high school students that say they want to be creators, right? Like direct incentives are directly aligned. Like we only get money, right? If you get a great job. Um and so there's a lot there, and I, I, it's not fair to draw, like, it, it's not an apple-to-apple apple comparison totally, um, but it, I would argue that it's also not an apple-to-orange comparison, as some people in, in higher ed try to, to make it. Um, what am I saying? So what I'm saying is that those are your real competitors, um, and they do an exceptional job, an amazing job at helping communicate to 17-year-olds about how they can help them get from point A to Z um, in as little time, with as little resources, with as little money um, as possible. And so that model shouldn't be replicated, can't be replicated perfectly into sort of a traditional sort of, again, nonprofit, uh, undergraduate sort of uh, institution. But the lessons, guys, the tone, the style, right? How folks are communicating to these prospects, the vision casting, right? The provocative copy, the strong emphasis on design, right? The it's it's the Apple esque approach, right? Um, as opposed to a long verbose like program description, program description. Excuse me, show don't tell, right? It's it's all the fundamentals, but again. What I think is most important to understand, guys, is that higher education, right, 
It's in serious, serious crisis. And what that means, just like in any industry, at any point in time in history, what that means is that there is remarkable opportunity for those that take advantage of it. And I think very fundamentally, that starts with a good hard look at your brand. Who are you really? Not who do you want to be or who do you pretend to be? Who are you really? And how do you lean aggressively into that? And how do you communicate that in a way that inspires a random prospective student that's a website visitor to within five or 10 seconds, right? Five or, you've got five or 10 seconds, between five and 10 seconds, to in, not just inspire me that you have something of value to deliver, but also that that value is worth me giving some information about myself in order to access. Five to 10 seconds. One just helpful sort of like maybe homework assignment or I don't know, like um, a pro tip for walking away from today's episode is go to your website, um, spend five or 10 seconds looking at the first page, like start a Google search, right? Um, or you could just start at your homepage, whatever you prefer. Um, five to 10 seconds spent on the page. Were you compelled to, what compelled you to, to you know, stay on that page? Be really, really honest. Give it to your kid, right? Like have your, have your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew or whoever, have them do it. Um, see if they keep their eyes on the, the page for more than 10 seconds and then ask them, you know, it, was there an opportunity for them to give information about themselves to in exchange uh, for something of value that the school was offering? Are they motivated to continue looking at the school, right? Like that's, it's, it's humbling when uh, you sort of step into the shoes of a prospect and really think about, how, how do you sort of make sense of a brand or, or a program that um, you have zero, you know, little to no affinity for already, right? So five to 10 seconds, do the five, to 10, the five to 10 second test. And then go to your program pages, go to your curriculum, right? And think about, whoa, what would it look like if we changed this? Like, what if we replaced the ACCT 201 principles of accounting with something way more compelling and exciting and outcome focused, like here's where you'll learn what the heck an asset is, right? Um, to me, the best use of your marketing and communications team, your enrollment management team's time right now with respect to branding and marketing is to strongly shore up the foundations of your website. Your website has become your campus. It is the digital expression of everything that your campus culture is. And it's got to communicate that in a way that makes sense to a 17-year-old, that a 17-year-old can see themselves, right, living within the context of your website. Um, because, again, that's your digital campus right now, right? But, like, it's got to inspire them to not just want to admire but to convert. Um, to start that application. And where that starts is in very clear, very concise, very compelling copy that is honest, um, that is outcome-focused, and that is inspirational. So will that solve the $183 billion problem that higher ed is facing right now? Absolutely not. Um, 
But if I were leading a university right now, if I were leading an enrollment management team right now, you sure as heck better believe that this is where I would start. I'd start with a real, honest conversation about brand. All right, guys. I hope this was somewhat helpful. Let me know what you think. Uh, I will uh, see you next week. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.